It's the Luke and Pete Show. It's a Thursday, the 21st of January 2021. Oh my God, it's 2121, baby. Yeah. 21121. Yeah, 21121. Yeah, the Americans would have something to say about that, wouldn't they? <laughs> they would, but in keep quiet for crying. So we won twenty one twenty one. Lovely old job. Hey Luke, um we've got what can only be described as an Instagram page. Oh good. Yeah, pop it. I'm I mean I'm 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 imagining what's up there. Orangutans, yeah. uh, just pictures of things we've t- talked about, um ejector seats, <laughs> things like that. An orangutan in an ejector seat with a parachute. Mm. Um, about to um, what? Do something about to? I don't know. Smash land b- battery collection. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 so yeah, check that out if you can. Uh, it's really simple and really easy. It's just Luke and Pete Show. That's yep. what it is. Yeah, Luke on and Pete Show. Maybe we'll do some extra stuff on there when when that corrals us and makes us do more work. I imagine some of it will end up on the Luke and Pete Show Instagram feed. So do check it out, as Pete says. Mm. Um, how you doing this week, Peter? I am. I, um, I forgot to mention to you on Monday something that's right up your street. Let's just get straight into it. Right. And say that um, the company Cadillac, who obviously are well known for making cars, those massive mm. cars that um, you know you probably couldn't even fit down a street in the UK. I presume they're still making vehicles. I imagine they're still making modern cars as well. But at a um, some kind of uh, convention or, or trade fair called CES 2021, don't know what CES stands for. Don't um, entertainment show. It. No, electronic show. Electronic consumer show. electronic show. Consumer electronic show. Great. Um, they um, apparently, and I've seen the video, and it's mostly kind of artist impressions, kind of impressionistic kind of stuff, um, mm. uh, presented by a man who kind of looks like he was developed and hatched in a Steve Jobs factory. Um, mm. Talking about this is a long run up, a long build up to say the first air taxi a flying car it looks like an oversized drone with quite a futuristic cabin on it so you know i don't know if anyone listening has ever been to pod parking at heathrow terminal five (laughs) where you park your car up and then you get an autonomous vehicle which takes you to the terminal Mm. it looks a bit like that with massive drone rotors on it and it flies around yeah, it looks like something out of Blade Runner, doesn't it? Because of the uh, the the kind of windscreen is is very interesting. It seems very wasteful, though. I think it only fits two or three people, doesn't it? How would it work? Well, it's, it's just a load of gyroscopes and a couple of rotors, isn't it? It's just a drone, isn't it? It's just a drone with human in it. So, so it's basically so I'm right if I because that was a guess, but so I'm right in saying that it would just be a um, like a um, an oversized drone, basically. Mm. I'm fairly certain that uh, didn't I'm, I mean as as a lot of these things uh, kind of happen. I thought they they'd already had flying um, taxis and flying cop cars in Dubai. Am I am I wrong? To, they've to got say like, that? they've got some kind of weird drone style motorbike for the police mm. in some parts of Dubai, I believe. But I've never been there. I've only seen the videos. But but interestingly, it kind of made me excited to watch the video of the air taxi because yeah. Cadillac are owned by General Motors, right? And General Motors are this massive historic um, company in the US that obviously are well-known for making cars. But if you look at General Motors' Twitter biog, it says, we're on a journey to create a world with zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. Let us show you how we'll get there. And that's quite a futuristic statement for a company, isn't it? It's quite exciting. 
How do how I mean you're very much relying on the electricity companies to uh, to create clean energy, aren't you? There, <laughs> where are you get the electricity from? Is it dirty? Is it clean? <laughs> There's loads of electricity everywhere, though, mate. You can it's all around. Yes. I'm surrounded yes. by it right now. Solar batteries, mate. Loads of batteries. Would you, would you loads get of GP32s. When I when I sent you the video of this, you said you wouldn't get in it. No, I mean I would need assurances that it would fly that each rotor. The thing is, all four rotors have to be working or else you are fuckerood. So yeah. you would need guarantees that um, they were, you know, at least two autonomous vehicles in one, if you know what I mean. So if one goes down, the other one doesn't go down. Does that make sense? And you could also yeah, land with just one. Um, for some reason, and, that, small and that's why craft... helicopters are so frightening. Yeah, but for some reason, the smaller craft, smaller aircraft that don't seem to go as fast or as high, it doesn't really mm. frighten me as much. Do you understand what I, I mean? I mean, the video has a New York skyline and it's taken off a, uh, uh, on top of a skyscraper. How high do you want it to be? Yeah, true. I don't know, it's hard to explain, but if, if, when it comes to actual proper air travel, I don't mm. get anxious or nervous at all um, apart from the takeoff, which I find quite frightening. Right. I, so I'm not nervous about the landing or the or cruising or anything like that or turbulence, mm. but the the takeoff to me feels like the highest risk category of plane travel. <laughs> I the the only ones I sort of get I don't think I would enjoy. You know, remember that the Chinese gave the Tongans a plane about seven years ago, um, right. and it was just a you know just a freebie to go. Hey, do you want to? Do you want to get, get in bed or whatever? Um, and those planes aren't licensed to fly over like the EU or anything. They, you know, no. it's just it's a big no-no. They, they've they've not really been classified. Um, it's those ones that 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 you just worry have been based on old like USSR designs from the like seventies, and they've just kind of upgraded the 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 dashboard and put LCD screens in. They're the ones yeah. that I sort of go, yeah, the ones that take the whole runway to lift off because they because the the, the, the engines aren't powerful enough. It's stuff like that. I ju- and so I don't have a massive problem with, like, you know, uh, planes that have been road tested for 30 years, you know, the 747, things like that. You, most pilots know how to uh, manage things if they go wrong. It's the ones that are new but are also based on very old designs. But is, is that how you tell then? So if it takes a long time to build up the speed to take off, is that how you tell it's an old plane? Because to me, the, a lot of the BA planes seem pretty old. Like Some of them have still got, like, ashtray things in the armrest and stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of them are, are very old, and I think this pandemic has killed. A, is it the seven four seven? That was a really popular one, wasn't it? Um, I think the pandemic has just seen that, that, that they just won't fly anymore. They'll they'll never come back into service. Huh. Um, I bought a little fuel gauge on eBay. I'm not even I'm not even like an air enthusiast. I just like people. I like really complex machinery being wrangled by intelligent men. That's what I, that's my kink. Just watching <laughs> uh, watching like men explain why some planes crash and some planes don't and it's all because they didn't look at the folder enough <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, nobody bothered looking at the instructions yeah speaking of uh, men uh, dangerously underqualified uh, to uh, wrangle machinery Hello. I bought oh, a car at the weekend what I cannot drive but you just got your I, scooter I know, but yeah, but I need to learn to drive, but I can't have a 
driving lesson because of the lockdown. So yeah, you I was can't like, teach well, yourself how to drive just because of the lockdown. You can't just take it. <laughs> well, the police will just be worried about something. They'll, they'll go, I'll crash into an orphanage, killing kids left, right, and centre. And the policeman will come over and go, Sir, are you wearing a mask? I'll go, No. And he'll slap a £1,000 fine on me. He'll ignore everything else that I've done, I would What's say. It, seriously, though. We can all make funny, frivolous jokes about this, Donaldson, but you've just mm-hmm. bought a scooter, you've only yeah. just got it on the road, mm-hmm. and you can't have driving lessons at the moment. So what's your tactic here? My tactic is uh, explaining to my partner that she needs to help me do some driving. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, that is, the, that is the quickest shortcut to the breakdown in the relationship is one teaches the other how to drive. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. But look... I'm going to need to let her drive at some point. I've got driving lessons booked, or I had driving lessons booked in January, but I couldn't do them because of bloody lockdown. So I've got it ready. I can familiarise myself with the controls. I can read the manual. I think this is the most sensible thing I've ever done, Luke. What car did you buy? A little Fiat 500. What, did you buy it brand new? No. God, no. They're, cars are bloody expensive. And you bought, And I rang up the bloke, and he sounded like... Um, who's the fellow who does the, the Italian bloke who does the cooking uh, on this oh, morning? Gino De Campo. He sounded like Gino De Campo. <laughs> he sounded so much like Gino De Campo. Uh, and I paid for it. And then and then this other woman rang me up and tried to sell me some kind of ceramic coating. Oh, I bet like, they did. I bet you've the got people ca- queuing up trying to sell you shit. <laughs> if you're buying a car, you probably spent about 20 grand on it, did you? Uh, no, I didn't. But it was. But I will familiarise myself with the controls. It's an automatic. So I mean, what is there to learn? Forward, backwards. What else? Out of <laughs> yeah, the radio. It. I've got an automatic. My car's automatic as well. It's much easier for driving around London. I originally yeah. bought it because um, Mimi's obviously American. Oh yes, of can, course. Yeah. Yeah, but she. I mean, she's never once driven it, so it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> but the um, what I was going to say to you was, my friend Tommy has uh, got a Fiat Five Hundred, and. Um, he what he does? He's got long blonde hair, right? And what mm-hmm. he does is he makes sure his hair is not tucked behind his ears or tucked back, so it's hanging over his face partly, so he looks like a girl. And he says every single time he gets to a junction, people just let him out because they assume because it's a Fiat Five Hundred and he's got long blonde hair, he's an attractive woman, and oh, men are I'd... pathetic, and they just let him out every time. I mean, look, I I didn't realise that um, the Fiat Five Hundred was a lady's car. I'm not, I'm not, because I'm not a driver. I don't know all of the misogynists rules of the road. I'm not saying Fiat Five Hundred is or isn't. I don't think there's any such thing as a man or a woman's car. But I'm just saying, people, rightly or wrongly, make an assumption. Ah, uh, Laura Bear's got one. I saw that on Instagram. He's the only Instagram influencer worth a coin, in, in my opinion. Is he he just smokes cigars. Sigurd, yeah, well, he influenced me in a buying a Fiat 500 <laughs> and, cons- and considering a career and, and considering getting involved in some cigar smoking. All he does is drink champagne, eat amazing seafood, and uh, smoke big old hoggy cigars. It's it's it really is a, a trip that man's Instagram page. This, I love this, it. This, this feeds in perfectly. This development feeds in perfectly to my long held theory about you that you think about things way too much or you don't think about them at all. You've had yeah. your scooter five minutes. Yeah. What's, and I've enjoyed it. What's, what's going to happen to your scooter now? It's getting thrown in the canal. That's what's happening it. to is it. Is it safe? I'll buy it off you. Is it safe? Because I will buy it. What do you mean, is it safe? No, I'll, I'll, I will use, but like, you can use both a scooter and a little and a little car. I mean, legally, I'm only allowed to use that scooter, and I've got to have a lesson. I've got to have another uh, exam True. in a year's time anyway. So, yeah. True. 
Oh, All right, well, that's, it's, a, it's an amazing development in the world of dancers. Have you got it in the mm. house at the moment? Have you parked it in the driveway or something? It's not arrived yet. She, she tried to sell me some ceramics this afternoon and yeah, I'm just waiting it's for never it. Arrive, when, mate. Uh, just honestly. It? <laughs> it was some of a Fiat dealership. I think I'm all right. They saw you coming, mate. Yeah, um, well. Uh, can, I, can I just jump in very briefly and say that on Monday, I started telling a Brexit story, but you sidetracked me. I think we got sidetracked Sorry. or something. No, it's not right. your fault. It's probably mine for having a memory like a sieve. But the, the, the story I wanted to talk to you about was about a driver traveling from the UK to Holland Mm. And when he arrived, he had his ham sandwiches confiscated. <laughs> yeah, yeah I like it? that. Fun. It's just, just it, fun. In the video, the very no-nonsense Dutchman um, said to him, do you have meat on all the bread? Do you have meat on all the bread? And the guy's going, yeah. He said, well, then we're taking all of it. We're taking it. And I don't uh, know what to think, because on one hand, it's, like re- it's really pathetic and really yeah. kind of Petty, what, like, jobs worthy, isn't it? Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's almost like, well, sorry, Brexit people, but this is the kind of thing you're after because apparently um, you can't um, you can't bring meat or dairy products from a non-EU country into the EU mm. without particular licences. And obviously, you're not going to fill out some paperwork for a sandwich. If, it, if I was him, I'd have just smashed them straight away, just ate them all. Like that woman on that plane back from Spain who just drank <laughs> that whole bottle of spirits <laughs> rather than give it away. Yeah, I, yeah it's one of those things where... Um, I mean, I pres- I'm fairly certain it's because the EU have certain food standards that um, you know that this person can't uh, can't make it clear where you know what those standards. Is. So if you came from England like now and went, excuse with me, a, with this a, is Marks and Spencer. That's what I'm with saying. A, <laughs> with a meat pear sandwich. With a meat pear. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we probably imported all the fucking meat from the EU anyway. So the, you 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 can back up with the borders with a meat pear sandwich. Going, I'm eating this meat pear sandwich. And go well. We don't know where that's come from. We don't know what you know. You could be selling that and poisoning. Uh, the people of the EU and also probably disease and stuff, I imagine. I don't, I just, I, um, I and that mean, is I my mean, TED talk on EU safety, food safety standards. But I know, do you know what? You've, the type of person you've got to be to be a good border guard, it's almost, about, mm. it's almost like being a traffic warden, right? You've got to be a real stickler for the detail because if you and I, you or I was a border guard, you know, day three of our job, we'd probably have a hangover. Yeah, whatever, it's come through. What, I can't be bothered. It's fine. And... Um, but obviously these guys, the very nature of their job means they can't do that because ultimately mm. it's just a fucking sandwich. What's going to happen? He's going to eat it. That's what's going to happen, right? Yeah, nothing, nothing. You're not going to get like, – I understand the idea that, for example, bringing an entire pig into a country might have swine flu or foot and mouth. I, I get that. This is just a sandwich, right? So on one hand, I am – I'm ambivalent, really, because on one hand, I'm like, well, this is what you fucking voted for, you absolute bellends. On the other hand, it's like, it's just a sandwich. Can't we all just be pals? I hope we I hope we have like a shortage of Beatles records and um Levi jeans. <laughs> and like and we're forced to uh etch our records in old x-rays. I'd love I love the design of the D- I love the uh I love the architecture of uh, the DDR sort of East Germany. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you I was just going to say did you see that um and then you've seen the um documentary searching for Sugar Man about um Mm. about a guy who doesn't know how popular he is in, in apartheid South Africa. Yes, um, yes. It's worth, it's worth watching. It's brilliant. He's a singer-songwriter, did nothing in the US, and then just becomes huge in South Africa without even knowing it because of people who are, are kind of traveling to South Africa and taking these records, and they're getting copied and copied and copied. And it's, it's, a real, it's an amazing story. But anyway, as part of the documentary, 
Um, because the apartheid regime was absolutely sickening, deplorable, and astonishingly corrupt as well, um, these kind of things could go on. But also, they had a very, very um, heavy-handed um, censorship re- regime. So mm. any any, um, any record that was seen to be perhaps undermining the apartheid regime would be censored. And they had people who would literally be employed to listen to 12-inch vinyl records and scratch up the songs they thought weren't... Um, weren't suitable. Oh, like individual so songs. Scratching these records. It's, it's a mad thing to think about that. How many songs are? How many songs were talking about apartheid? That spit an image one. No, I, don't know, like, I don't know. Nelson Mandela. Yeah, I don't think it's just about. I think it's just about any kind of. Um, to be honest, it's not massively different to like any kind of right wing government not wanting anything that could be seen as maybe vaguely socialist or, or mm. any kind any kind of political idea that challenges the norm, I suppose. It, it wasn't songs that specifically relating to apartheid. It's more just things that they think would undermine the regime. But it's, it's just quite interesting right. anyway. But Pete, Pete the, um, the other thing I wanted to, to mention to you before we have a break and go to emails was um, it actually kind of vaguely relates to, to records because you know that the most valuable records are the ones that have got like misprints on them and stuff. So like you, mm. you get a record that's worth hundreds of thousands because it's a Beatles record and it's got one of the names of the of the John Lennon spelt wrong or something. John Lennon. Highly collectible. <laughs> they, they, John Lennon. They, uh, they, in Japan, they had uh, last week, um, I think it was Asahi, released a, a beer and they spelt Lager, L-A-G-A-R, which is enjoyable. <laughs> they still put them out. So they, they're going to be collector's items. Well, not, if you, not in your house, they won't. Not, not in my house, no. Well, I, I've said it, I've said it before, my... My dad, uh, my dad, um, I had to buy a new keyboard because I spilled that tisky you bought me into it. Um, that's uh, 50 quid, I won't get back. Um, my dad, uh, my, I think I t- told you before, my dad bought me a, um, a Newcastle United, when Alan Shearer retired, um, Newcastle Brown uh, released a commemorative Alan Shearer uh, with his hand in the air um, bottle. And uh, my dad sort of kept it for me for about a month and they drank it and then <laughs> steamed off the bottle uh, label and put it on another bottle, thereby creating this horrible kind of like Frankenstein fake bottle of uh, of commemorative Newcastle Brown. I like a Nuki Brown, I'll tell you. It has to be ice cold, though. Nice. I do like yeah, a Nuki lovely. Brown. Yeah, so, lovely. So this story related to printing of things is that um, – so apparently there was a $20 banknote – um, called the Del Monte banknote, right? right? It's about to go at auction. Probably, I would say, it's probably going to fetch hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and the reason it's so valuable is because when it was being printed, um, somehow or another, a Del Monte sticker from a banana fell into the machine, got stuck <laughs> to one of the banknotes, and then got printed over the top of the serial number, and it's Fantastic. still attached to the note. Oh, so that's like, fantastic! And apparently, um, printing slip-ups happen quite regularly with things getting in the machine or things not working properly. But generally speaking, the foreign bodies that are present on the banknote just disappear or drop off. This Del Monte stick still on the banknote, um, <laughs> and it's attracting massive attention in the, uh, the those those kind of areas of society where people collect these types of things. So, like, apparently in the past, um, they're all printed in a, at a place called Fort Worth, which I think is in Texas, and um, 
in the past, things have been found with uh, plasters, uh, bits of paper, little bits of sellotape, um, little wood shavings, and then printed over the top. And they're quite um, they're quite collectible. So notophilists uh, or notophilists are people who collect uh, banknotes, and uh, this could be um, could be a very very expensive item at auction. The most expensive um, banknote ever sold um was a i think a very rare ten thousand dollar bill from 1934 which actually ended up selling for three hundred eighty four thousand dollars. but anyway um yeah people are uh, people are, are climbing over themselves to get the uh, the banknote which still says ecuador del monte quality on a sticker <laughs> on it under the serial number now that's crucial you can't just put a del monte sticker on a banknote and try and sell it for hundred thousand right. dollars. it's got to be under the printed serial number to be worth anything yeah, would you not sort of do that and kind of? I mean, I, I imagine, um, I imagine they run a pretty tight ship at, uh, at Fort Worth. Lovely part of Dallas, lovely, lovely part of the world. Yeah. Um, they, uh, yeah, I imagine they run a pretty tight ship that so you can't make off with with dollar bills left, right, and centre. But could you not create one, create a sensation, and know where you know which shop it's going to go to? Create yeah, a little it's sort open of, to corruption, I guess. Mm, I think open so. To yeah. Corruption, yeah. yeah. Um, Listen, let's have a quick break, Peter. When we come back, we'll do an email. I've got another one for the I mean, the so-called expert on Monday who poo-pooed my parachute chat. One <laughs> of the listeners has got my back, and he's come in with another solution relating to parachutes and passenger liners. I'm going to tell you all about it after this break. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This week... That's the kind of... 
Me and Luke have been whiling away the lockdown with our usual nonsense on the Luke and Pete show. Here's a quick taste of the kind of challenges we've been setting for ourselves. Give us any nation and I'll tell you yeah. why they're dirty. All right, I'll do it now. Um, right. uh, Italy. Italy, yeah. it looks like a sexy boot. <laughs> Little, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. There's also a brand new episode of On the Continent, your weekly guide to the sublime and frequently ridiculous in European football. Find it over on Football Ramble Presents every Thursday. Neymar's responded to this in kind that they forgot to tell you um, how to win titles. Then Alvaro has responded with a picture of Pelé with three World Cups going <laughs> in the eternal shadow of the king. This reminds me of Stormzy and Wiley. The spirits that they have. All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov. It's the Luca Pete Show. It's Thursday, and this is part two of the show. That's as functional and as uh, stripped down as I could possibly uh, announce this part of the experience. Uh, we've yeah. got some emails, Luke. Do you want to kick off with yours? You were promising some yeah. liar talking about the parachute nonsense. <laughs> very important to reiterate that part you heard before the break. That was very much part one. This is mm. part two. Hello at LukeandPeteShow.com is the email address for all your missives. I did trial run trailer uh, promo trailer a, uh, an email about parachutes and I'm going to do it right now it's from Sam who says um, hi guys just listening to your episodes about parachutes on passenger planes got me thinking what about this all you pilot experts out there instead of having a parachute for each person why don't we simplify it and have five or six massive parachutes <laughs> attached to the plane itself, and in an emergency, the plane releases them, and we just float gently down to the ground. Right? Isn't that or, what happened in Batman? Or a massive balloon inflates on top of the plane and turns it into a blimp. Let me know your thoughts, Sam. Now, I'm on board, Sam, with the first one. The second one, you've gone off piece there. You're on your own. <laughs> Pete, what are your initial, what's your initial reaction to that? going too fast to go to turn into a blimp everything's just going too fast there's too many forces for crying out loud there's no oxygen up high I, there's so many problems with this yeah you need to be on nodding terms with modern ballistics sam if you're going to kind of start <laughs> chatting this stuff but i do like the idea of of you know like on a, on a boat or a ship you have a life raft which is a it's designed to hold a certain amount of people mm. presumably as some kind of sort of air floating vessel that could be a bit like a life raft, i.e. you could pile a load of people into it and then float down with a massive parachute. It's not attached to the plane's fuselage itself, right. but perhaps a different kind of mixture of the two solutions. But, why, but I mean, would you not fall out of the of the big dinghy, <laughs> the big floating it'd dinghy? Have have, it'd have to have sides. It'd have to have walls, inflatable walls. Oh, like walls. Oh, that'll basically. keep them in. That'll keep no, little walls on the side castle. of the paddling pool. Just a paddling pool. Just a little paddling pool. Yeah. That'll be All absolutely fine. When you go on holiday next, take a paddling pool with you. And you never know. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. Um, well, Pilot Claude actually uh, popped in uh, to our lives uh, last week as well. Um, convertible roof on a plane. This would mean that presumably everyone would have ejection seats. There's another big problem because with ejection seats, uh, 10 to 20% of all cases we know of have been fatal. Uh, it's not uncommon to get serious head, neck, back injuries from ejection. This, of course, practically, uh, this is, of course, is practically all with the context that uh, they are highly trained pilots. Uh, sorry for yeah. rambling on. <laughs> Who's going to pull the ejector seat? Say, say for every single person on the passenger plane has got an ejector seat. Is it one person that pulls it? Right, is everyone ready? 
Or it's like a vote. It's, it's, is it first past the post or is it a college, like electoral college system? <laughs> it's a quick vote on one of, those, um, on one of those seat-back TV displays where they have quizzes on. It's like a quick vote. <laughs> and if you get over 50, uh, they all just shoot up. <laughs> it's like a referendum. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for that. That's very enjoyable. Um, <laughs> I'm going to change trains completely or change planes completely and just quickly uh, avail you of this story from Jamie who says, um, hi guys, towards the end of uh, last, one of last week's shows, Luke said the famous childhood lie of Michael Jackson came to my house. Do you remember that, Peter? Uh, yes, yes, I remember that. Yeah, uh, and he said, and Jamie says, this reminded me of a childhood story of mine that I've been meaning to write in about for a while. I assure you every word of the following story is absolutely true as I remember it, even though to this day it sounds crazy. It's 1997 and I am 10 years old and in my first school in Egham in Surrey. Beautiful part of the world, Egham. I think outside Egham train station there might even be a Ferrari garage. It's a very affluent part of the country. <laughs> um You've been there, Peter? I've never been to Egham, no. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't add anything to this Egham. I can't over-egg this story. <laughs> no, it's the other side of London to where you are, so you probably wouldn't uh, have yeah. it. He says, uh, anyway, it's summer, and we are playing rounders on the field out the back of the school. So he's at his school in Egham in 1997. They're playing rounders. We see a big old black car, uh, blacked-out car, sorry, drive into the school. And a small man gets out with three or four other larger men. They walk towards us on the school field. The smaller guy is Michael Jackson, right? (laughs) Who then proceeds to walk around the school field, shaking hands with the kids and a couple of the teachers. This is Michael Jackson in the mid-90s, and we are going absolutely mental, right? I later found out, He was playing shows at Wembley, so Michael Jackson being not too far away from the venue made sense. I go home and tell my parents and everyone I know and return to school the next day. It turns out it was a Michael Jackson lookalike who was notorious for doing this type of thing. Oh, no. He had hired a limo and bodyguards to walk around the school. A bit weird, but it still makes me laugh whenever I hear his name mentioned. To make up for the injustice of not meeting Michael Jackson, a well-known, unnameable red-top newspaper who picked up on this story sent a celebrity to our school to sign autographs a week later as a replacement. Can you guess who it was, Peter? <laughs> um, was it Jeff Capes? <laughs> oh, nice. 97's a bit late for Capes, isn't it? Oh, right. Sorry, yeah. Was it Zig and Zag? Or Zig or Zag? Um, you're getting warmer. One more guess. 1997. Mr. Mr. Blobby. <laughs> oh, God, very nice. No, it was Anthea Turner. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, she's moved... lovely. She she used to do, um, when well, I used to do my radio show, she used to be downstairs doing a radio show. She's bloody lovely. Um, well, when didn't well, Jamie just finishes and says, says, when he moved house three years later, he, uh, sorry, when, I moved, when he moved house three years ago, I, I apologise, when, when he moved house three years ago, he found her signed picture among some very old paperwork. Picture of Anthea Turner with the kids for everyone at school uh, in the newspaper a couple of days later. Essentially, this is a story of how I met Anthea Turner because I thought I met Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> for me, they're not on the same level. But anyway, thanks very much, Jamie. That's my story. <laughs> Tell us more about your experiences with Anthea Turner, Peter. I know Alan Partridge is a big fan of Anthea's. What about you? <laughs> she's very nice. Just um, uh, when she walked around the building, just very happy-go-lucky. Um, didn't seem kind of bowed by her years in show business. Just, just great news. Good. Uh, what's she up to now? Do you know? 
She's sitting on the back of a she's sitting on the back of a flatbed truck uh, watching a, um, a, a motorbike guy. Did r- she get run set past on fire by accident? Yeah, it was actually yeah, it was like a like a kickstarty guy he came out the back of a um, of a truck and some kind of um, pyrotechnics was supposed to go off and oh, she went all over the place. And she, she's she not let it affect damaged. her. It's a lesson for all of us there. <laughs> she's not let it hold her back, is she? Lordy. All right. I think that's about... I mean, listen, how do you follow that? You probably can't. So I think it's about time we got out of here, Peter. I'll leave you to take it away. Mm. Uh, well, well, we're out of here. If you want to get to the show, it's really easy. Hello at LukeandPeteShow.com. You can also find us on Twitter at LukeandPeteShow. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram as well. Brand new content coming at you hard in the face and the ears. Uh, Luke and Pete Show. Check it out if you can. Uh, and we'll be back on Monday for more of this toss. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.